Hi, this is the Acquire Podcast from the Odd Phonic Podcast Network, and I'm Jenny Wright. This is the podcast that delves deep into the world of list building and online events, and it's designed to empower entrepreneurs and marketers with the knowledge and strategies to master these essential business growth tactics. And this is the first episode of 2024, and I'm really excited because we have one of our favorite, my favorite, returning guest, Jason Wheeler, coming to have a chat, and we're going to talk about all things... 2024 events, planning, all sorts of stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having me again so soon. (laughs) We had a good time the last time. Yes, it was. So how, okay, brand new year, obviously, and this is the first episode, which I took a little bit of time off just to sort of gather my thoughts and relax a little bit. And this being the beginning of the new year, what do people do at this time that kind of feels, I don't know, maybe not the right move? It's a brand new year. What? what? It's two weeks into January. Like, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Where's it gone? I, I don't remember. I absolutely don't remember. I still think Tuesdays or Fridays for all I know. Oh, I, I don't know what happened with the time. It's going by a little fast. Okay. Well... What was the question? <laughs> this is going to be what it's like, isn't it? No. We're talking, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know, just trying to have the conversation about why people have this massive reset every single year in January when I feel like even though, sure, it's a brand new year and, you know, it's a calendar brand new year, but it's not really a brand new year in marketing. Some Some companies, like companies that you and I have both worked for, the new year fiscally started in like September, right? So you're not even looking at January 1 as the new year. You're looking at it as a continuation of the goals that you set probably in July of the year before. So I'm always looking at January as this like phantom reset that people do. And they think, oh, brand new year, brand new me, brand new everything. And it should be a continuation or an amplification and not a reset. It is kind of weird that we have this, I don't know, what would you call it? Um, sort of like this this energy that comes about you or a bunch of ideas that all of a sudden consume you because uh, it's a new tax year. <laughs> because that's basically what it is. I mean, do you really think that, that your marketing really has to like reset in January. I think a lot of people, they want to let go of whatever went wrong the previous year. Sure. And then they want to improve what's going to happen this year. I think, I think some people that are maybe feeling not so good about the way 2023 went, maybe are looking at it a little bit more like, okay, I'm really going to get my act together in 2024. Now the people that are really, really good at marketing, they're going to be looking through the numbers of 2023 very analytically, and they probably started looking back in November already, and they're going to be tweaking. They already know what works, and they already know what doesn't, so they'll be tweaking. And then there's going to be that group of individuals that are going to be like, okay, let's scrap everything. (laughs) I want a whole bunch of new ideas. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they're, they're kind of making promises to themselves. And they're making promises to their audience, trying to inspire them to mm-hmm. like look at what they're doing and engage with what they're doing. 
and create some buzz and excitement. Why does that have to be a January thing? I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I'm already thinking, and you know why I'm thinking this, because we've talked about it. I'm already thinking that if you're starting the brand new year without having sort of planned out the things that you should or want to be doing, like, it's the middle of January right now. You've missed two and a half weeks of potential sales or closings or lead generation if you haven't already kind of planned this out, right? So I'm looking at January not as a reset or anything. I'm looking at it as an opportunity to elevate the things that I probably did last year or do better. Sure, I, I still see that. But I've planned my January already. My January's done. And that's the way it should be. Um, for any business that's that's doing any sort of really competent planning, you are you have already planned what's going to happen now mm -hmm. a while ago and you're executing it but then what are you planning in january that's going to happen later mm -hmm. right that's another component to it i used to work out a lot in the gyms and i actually worked for one for a little while and what i found interesting was is the hype for january sales started in november and it gradually built up it was just like you know because Everybody's going to start a new year and they're going to try and get fit and they're going to start coming to the gym in January. Mm -hmm. So you have to be ready. You have to start selling memberships in like late December over Christmas and then a real like a real like the bulk of memberships probably get signed up in January. For other businesses, January's a nothing. Yeah. It's like, okay, we we just killed ourselves to try and make bank before American Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and then they go into this dead zone of not having anything to do or any business at least to execute off between American Thanksgiving and let's say most of January and then things start warming up for them again. So everybody's planning period is different. Totally. So it's just strange the number of people that want to do a hard reset in January, mm -hmm. right? But oh. even though it's the second week in January, there's still opportunities and it doesn't mean you should be planning out your year, even though you still could. But you certainly should try and start the year off strong. Mm -hmm. Because if there's one thing I know for sure, you might not be able to like win the whole year in January, but you can lose it. Well said. Right. <laughs> That's actually true. No, I, I, I agree with you. I like January. Um, I like January as an opportunity to plan. Uh, I've already got my I've already got Q1 planned. That's already done. That was done in November of last year. I've got whatever summits I'm going to be on. I'm already, you know, I'm already focused on uh, some of the things that I've had to add into the first quarter of 2024, which is surprisingly travel, which is kind of crazy, considering I'm not much of a travel person. But but I'm also figuring into that like where can I get the new clients? We've done a whole bunch of stuff, you know, on the back end of trying to make sure that. Everything is ready for the beginning of January in that respect. And I like planning that. The rest of the planning that I'm doing in January is literally for the next three quarters. Quarter two, three, and four. What are those going to look like? When am I doing summits? Uh, when am I, you know, what are the big initiatives that are the big rocks that I'm going to try and complete? Because there's like forward-facing stuff that people see. And then there's backward-facing stuff that people see that, you know, has nothing to do 
with the marketing or anything like that. It has to do with sort of, uh, I guess, just all the back-end coordination, right? But in January, you can plan everything out. I like, I like the word planathon. Planathon. <laughs> it would be kind of neat. Anyways, this is the this is kind of that time where you're really trying to create that momentum. That momentum should have already started, in my in my opinion. But you definitely want to keep that momentum going, that consistency, right? You can go into January with a ton of really great ideas, but what if you lose that steam? That's true. But you know, there's always one thing that should be happening. You're either you're either making sales, mm-hmm. right? And you're in the full swing of selling, or you're planning, or you're creating. Mm-hmm. You should never be slow. And depending on what happens in your business or what time of year is best for you, you should be doing one of those things. So if this isn't your strongest sales period, this could be your strongest planning period. Absolutely. And if you're if you're thinking of, you know, hosting a summit or doing a launch in 2024, which people at this level are, everybody who's listening probably is, and if you're not, you're on your way to it, I hope. In January, you should be actually planning for any sort of like launch or summit that you would be doing in March, April, May, even June or July. If you want some of the bigger marketers, some of the bigger names on your summits or part of your events, you're planning now because you need to get on their calendar because if they're anything like the people that I work with that are, you know, super focused on their lead generation and their sales, they've already got that plan done. You have to now fit into that plan. You've got to fit into that calendar somewhere and you now you're competing with their own launches and other people who might have gotten in touch early enough to say, hey, I'm doing a bundle. Like I just got somebody who invited me to a bundle that's happening in June. So my June is done. I already know that what I'm doing, right? And you've got to think ahead for that. So even though you might have like kind of like light planning to do, or you're not sure when you're running a summit or a launch or whatever it is that you're doing or an in-person, starting to get those wheels in motion now is hyper important. Uh, A lot of the clients that I work with at the, you know, higher levels, multi seven, figure and so on, we're putting six months of planning into their summits and launches. You know, I think when you look at the whole year, you're, you're basically trying to take your existing leads mm-hmm. and you're trying to acquire new ones mm-hmm. so that they can run through your system. You can call it a funnel if you want, but you want to add to what you had as an audience previously. Yes. And then hopefully you come out with a larger number at the end of the year, whether it's you're selling a product or you're selling a service. But the one thing that is interesting about January is this is the time when you should start or you should at least be having a very concrete plan that actually gets a lot of those leads before summertime. Mm -hmm. Because once we go into summer, I think a lot of people even realize, even for themselves, they don't get involved with things. They don't become, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, a shopper or as much of a consumer in the summer. So you want to get them on your list. You want to... Well, the consumption changes. It's not that they end being consumer. The consumption changes. It does. But if you're talking like business to business, it certainly does because there's a lot of decision makers that are away on vacation. Things just do not happen. Correct. Right? And there are a lot of entrepreneurs who might hire coaches or they might hire other people for other things that they probably took on entrepreneurship to have that freedom maybe in the summer. I just think that there's a, a higher concentration 
of opportunity probably from April, May, and June than there is in July, August, September. Oh, probably, yeah. Probably, probably more July, August, but like you basically want to do whatever it is that you want to do before the summer vacation, you should already start planning and executing right now. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a summit, there's a lot of things that you can be doing. And one thing that I find interesting is there are people that want to host summits before the summer. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of people that want to be on summits. Correct. People come into the new year from the speaking side of it, and they've got, um, I don't know, they've got goals. They want to be in more events, mm -hmm. you know, so now's the perfect time. Yeah, it is actually. And it reminds me about a uh, product I created for that. <laughs> Guest Speaker Advantage. Remember oh, yeah, that? that's right. Yeah, I remember. Yep. Guest Speaker Advantage. I actually just gave it a revamp in uh, at the end of 2023. So it's actually been revamped, and it's uh, it's up on the website. So That would be helpful. Actually, it's going to be up on the website. Oh. We've got another little bit before that happens. But anyways, it's there. And if you're looking to improve your speaking for 2024, it's, uh, it's something to check out. All right. So we've talked about planning. We've talked about, you know, this phantom reset that people tend to do. How do you build momentum going forward for 2024 or any year at all? But like, how do you continue to build momentum month over month without it feeling, I don't know, overwhelming? You know, you it probably comes down to discipline. Okay. Just like any other business, you want it to grow. Obviously, numbers are going to be an indicator of whether that's actually happening or not. And it can happen a lot of different ways. Are you going to actually, are you actually going to hold on to the leads that you have and are they engaged? And are you going to actually be able to add to the amount of leads that you already have? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to increase um, the amount of uh, people that will want to do business with you? Are you going to be able to increase sales that come out of those leads, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that can that can be momentum building when you see those type of successes happening where you've actually got um, like your email list is growing, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it effectively makes you money. Then you can easily like be inspired to do more and carry on. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when there are people that have actually grown a list and I'll call it for lack of a better word, a false list, which is I got my three and 5,000 followers on my email list, but everybody's silent. A false list. A false list. Okay. It's, it's like, it's a list. Sure. You can go around telling people I've got 3,000 people on my email list, but you can't sell the darn thing. That's because, just clout. That's not, that's yeah. not real. Well, but there are, you do you remember what it was like back in 2014? How many people like through their list size in front of every conversation? Uh, yeah, I also remember list minimums to appear on events, which I thought was ridiculous then, and sure. I still do now. And that might be part of the reason why people had them. It's like, oh, if you don't have 5,000 people on your list, great, okay, let me go buy 5,000 people to put on my list. Now I can tell you I've got 5,000 people. And then let me make this offering that has basically nothing to do with your business because people weren't niched in. I had to say it. And then... I was waiting. Yeah, and then on top of it, it's like, the list was garbage. Like, it's not about the actual size of the list. It's about the quality. the quality of those leads and how much engagement you get and are you niched in so much that people are actually inspired. You actually have interested people. They are like raving fans of yours. Hmm. 
Like I, I, you know, when you just say email list, it's just such a a blase term compared to how many raving fans do you have? That's a completely different question. Right? Okay. Well, I have you know, four hundred raving fans. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I got a thousand. Wow. I'm like, I'd be like doing well. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you're gonna have better sales with the with the raving fan number. Of course, or they're metric. Waiting. They're hanging off of every word you say. A raving fan is when you send an email. They're looking forward to it and anticipating it, and they want to read it. Okay. They, they want to consume. What are the data points of raving fans? How would you even what would what would that data look like? Well, obviously, like a raving fan will will their open rate will be sky high. Okay. Right. They're definitely not going to be the type of person that will unsubscribe. Of course. Um, anything that you put out on offer, they are likely to make more touches on anything. So in other words, if you point them in the direction of, let's say, one of your social media posts, they'll go there, or an article, they'll go there, or a new product, they will check it out. If you're going to be part of an event or hosting one yourself, they will probably participate. Now, there's a lot of people that aren't your Raven fans that are on your list. And they might not even open up your email. There's a gargantuan difference between the two. There is, but also, you know what the you know what the the outlier is on this data? And I just thought about this, is your competition. I have people on my list that are my competition or just people who are checking me out. Not necessarily competition, but they're they're watching. I know this because I know they're there. And when I do something, they're opening that email, they're clicking the link. So I can't call them a raving fan. They're they're not. They're not. How do you differentiate? I mean, if you're looking just at data points, that's really hard. Well, so I guess I, you're making a bit of an assumption. I think it really doesn't matter. You know what I look at it from? Let's just say you have 3,000 people on your email list. Mm -hmm. There could be 30 people that are your competition on it. Congratulations. 1% mm -hmm. of your audience looks like they're raving fans. I don't really think that's going to be a big deal. But I think... It's a good way to measure your success because if people, if your competition is actually trying to see what you're doing mm -hmm. and they're looking for ideas or they're inspired by what you do or they mm -hmm. lack creativity and they don't know what to do themselves or whatever it is, I think it's a compliment, right? Yeah, a raving fan obviously is going to help you make sales, but I think if you know you've got 30 people in there that are your competition, um, that's a huge compliment. It is a compliment. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about that kind of stuff before about um, if people are watching you and stuff like that. I don't. I mean, I don't mind. I know they're there. I don't think anybody should mind. I really don't think you should get your nose out of joint about it because, I mean, everybody's kind of keeping an eye on everybody else and knowing what they're doing. That's fine. Well, how top secret does our stuff need to be? It doesn't. It like, doesn't really need to be that top secret. I mean, yeah. I, I would be, Go ahead. I'd be a little bit frustrated. Mm -hmm. If let's say there was a competitor of mine that was bigger than me, mm -hmm. that was following everything I did, and when I launched something recently, that they actually take that idea and they blow it up big right away, and they echo what you do, I would be I'd be a little bit ticked off about that. But the chances of that happening are so remote, right? Right, and and even then, you you probably have some recourse. <laughs> Yeah, you know. yeah, I've seen a couple things like that happen in 2023 with a couple people who uh, went through something similar. They posted about a product or an offer, and then, you know, in a very short period of time, you see somebody else offering the same thing. But as far as momentum goes, mm -hmm. you basically want to have positive indicators 
because positive indicators are going to keep you motivated. Yeah, of course. And if you don't understand what those are, ask somebody. They can point you the right way. But the thing is, is you shouldn't you shouldn't be relying on vanity numbers. You should be relying on the data that actually proves that your business is going to make money, right? Mm -hmm. Or is going to prove that it will make money because there are businesses that that haven't maxed out on sales, but every indication shows that their subject matter is something of interest, that people really want to get involved, that they're really paying attention, and that when you when you do go to make an offer, things probably will fall into place. Mm -hmm. There's also, I really like the idea of actually creating momentum. There's also benchmarks that I would put in there. And the benchmarks I would put in there are taking a look at historical data. Can you tell I'm on a data streak? <laughs> so I would look at... Uh, I would be looking at how many sales, let's say you're a course creator, I'd be looking at how many sales you had of X course, right? A couple of minutes ago, we were talking about the course I have, Guest Speaker Advantage. I'll use it as an example. How many sales did I have in 2023? And knowing that I had X amount of sales and my closing percentage, you know, maybe those came off of emails or um, however I can figure out all that data, then I, I know what my potential closing rate is. If I want the number of people who go through Guest Speaker Advantage to increase by 10%, then I can then figure out the math, and you know I can't do math on the spot, but you know calculators are my friend, that I can then figure out how many people I need to get it in front of, right? So I can look at that and then I can adjust my marketing accordingly. Just saying like in this momentum building piece, I want to do, you know, I want to sell you know, $100,000 worth of this course, or I want to sell, you know, $200,000 of this or whatever, that's great. But then you got to back it up with that, with that historical data of how you're actually going to get there. And I just went through this exercise with a client, you know, where they were able to sell 233 units of a particular product throughout the entirety of 2023. And that unit price for them, the value of that unit is somewhere in the range between $25,000 and $35,000. And if they want to increase that, which they do, then we looked at the historical data of how many leads they had to go through to get those 233. And if they want to get that increase, now we know they need to have uh, 99 qualified leads per month coming into the business to close and stay only at that number. Oh, and I'm sure they also have to <clears> keep <throat> in, they also have to factor in being able to facilitate taking care of that business. Yeah, of course. So how many people do they need to support it and so on and so forth and this is this is really where you're looking at all the different aspects of the business which I love I'm getting a lot more into this as you can tell and uh, it's actually quite fun and this brings me to something where this is something I'm doing for 2024 which is I'm doing a tech stack review and I'm going to do a completely different episode about it because I think it's really interesting to talk about but this is where you have to make sure that everything in your business can handle the increase that you're looking to create. So if you're looking to create more traffic, you have to make sure that you have all of the background stuff to make that happen. And if you're going to drive more traffic to a website, is the website functioning the way you want? Is everything working? That's definitely something to look at. If you have a landing page software, is it going to handle it? Is your course creation software at the right level? You know, if you suddenly get an influx of students, are you going to be priced out of that package? And then like that just happened to me where I was like, okay, the, the um, course creation software that I was using, if I wanted to have more students, would cost me more money, so I actually moved completely out of that system to another one. 
and so on. So you've got to look at these things because if you want to have that growth, you have to have the, the functionality behind it and the people power to make it happen. Yeah. And then on top of it, you know, you've got to start thinking about 2025. I know it sounds early, but if you think about it, the data points that you want to collect in 2024, mm -hmm. and maybe you started collecting them in 2023, you want to make sure that you have data points that you can compare to that are effective in 2025. So what is it that you want to look at that gives you an indication of how your business works or is doing well in 2024 that you are going to measure against in 2025, that you can plan you can use as a plan, as a guide, into 2025 and say, okay, what do I need to do to increase these numbers? That's so smart. Right. I don't even want to think about 2025 yet, but I had to say it. But it's so smart, though, if you think about it, because the numbers that you're the data you're gathering right now will inform for the next year, and you may not have been gathering the right data. It's so much easier to gather the data that you want than to try and find it when you really need it later. Huge point. Yeah. Huge point. And I, you know, this is maybe like a different episode. And I just thought of this is the need for your own marketing dashboard. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How many businesses have a marketing dashboard? Well, you know, I don't think people really do marketing reports for themselves unless they have a team of people. But really, it doesn't matter whether you're one person or two or 10, you need to do a marketing report because mm -hmm. you will not understand. Um, even as a solopreneur, how you're spending money on marketing and how effective that money is being for you, unless you have one. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how good your memory is. Mm -mm. It's just better to have it down on paper and to be able to say, okay, I know much I spent on ads. I know how much I spent on events. I know what I got back in return. I knew, like, like and the other thing too is, is it's calendar based. So you know how effective it is during that particular time of year. Exactly. Was there some observation that you could make that, that would actually change when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen mm -hmm. or how much you're going to spend on doing it? Yes, completely. And two things that uh, people don't always do, and I think they should in their marketing reports, and I know it's something that you do, is you also include notes on what happened, right? Oh, yeah. So you it's not just, to. yeah, it's just not the data. It's also like, hey, this happened this month or whatnot. Like one of the, I remember one of the events I tried to run was a summit and I was doing it in July. I had planned it for months and then all of a sudden I was moving right when the summit was happening. So not only am I trying to get into a new place and unpack and all that kind of stuff, I'm running a summit. So, you know, all work had to stop for moving while I was doing certain portions of this summit. It was, it was a disaster. And so in my marketing report, for that, you know, for that month, I would be saying July, I think it was what, 2018, July 2018, you know, the numbers are affected by the fact that I was moving and it took like two or three weeks to get settled. So, well, you know, one of the best things that people can do during the entire year, if you're going to take on a habit or anything like that is collect data and take notes because okay. taking notes is one of the best things you can do. Do not try and commit anything that happened to memory because, okay, you might have some emotional things that are going on inside of you having to do with that memory of how that event went or how your marketing went. But the truth is, is you should be taking notes down. Mm -hmm. Not only that, you should be writing your ideas down because I know as I get older, I can't freaking remember a thing. You have such a better memory than me. Can you imagine how it is for me? <laughs> I, I honestly, if I don't take notes down, it is like 
I sometimes race to grab my phone because if I don't, five minutes later, it is gone yeah. forever. Totally. An idea. Yeah. Like, and a, a good, good one, one too. Yeah, a yeah. good one. And it's just like, poof, it's gone. And then you're like, okay, let me run through the alphabet, see if I can like prompt this thing back. Nope, that's not it. Nope, it's gone, officially gone. Exactly. Yeah, until about 2 o'clock in the morning. Collect data. It'll, it, it will save you time and make you money. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I've I've been sort of thinking for 2024, and I, and I saw this in 2023 and I wanted to get your perspective, was the need for online events, because you know that's my space, that they need to be more niched in and more specific. Oh, yes. What do you think is going to be the change? What's the biggest driver for that? You know... If you could have, if you did an event 10 years ago, you could have like, I don't know, I could say things really like that would have to be censored. You could do like really <laughs> stupid things and almost anything, as long as you had a website, a face and a name, uh, and you could probably get leads because the novelty of actually doing something online mm -hmm. was huge and it was free. And when people heard free, oh my God, it's online and it's free and I don't even have to leave my my house and I get to see all these superstars doing their interviews. People just signed up. They didn't even know what they were getting, you know, and that whole novelty has worn off and gradually over time. Now, now you're like, now we're in 2024. Okay. Now this is, now it's gotten real, real, real. Okay. It was real in 2020. Now it's gotten really real. Mm. And the thing is, you have to be now very specific on the subject matter. It has to be very, very niched in. People are not going to waste their time on vagaries. They're not going to waste their time on a subject that is so broad that they they have to try and pick their way through the content you're providing to get the little gold nuggets. You basically have to deliver pure gold basically right then and there. So it has to be super specific. And then on top of it, and you know this better than anybody else, it has to be organized and executed better than everything else because it has to have less friction when people sign up it has to have less friction when people want to get involved when they want to view it or participate it has to be less friction and not just for the participants also for the people involved if you have panels or interviews or anything it's the smoother it runs the better the thing absolutely and it's weird how we we got excited about technology and events right and before that, we were really, really nitpicky about live events. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, getting my tickets was such a hassle. Getting to the thing was such a hassle. Getting into the thing, and it was disorganized. And uh, we got nitpicky, and obviously we protect, we, we perfected it through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the early 2000s. And now people are snobs when it comes to events. Are you going to go to this one or that one, right? And they go, no, I'm going to go this one because I know it's organized, and I know what I'm going to get out of it, right? Well, now we've reached that point online. Now people are going to get me snobby about events. It's like, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm not even going to speak for that person. I don't want to be involved. Or I'm not going to go to that event because I don't know when this is going to happen. They have so many tech problems. or They don't even know. have a landing page for call for speakers. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm going to get out of this thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're there now. It's all equal. Yeah. Online and real life. If you don't like, if you don't have it like well done. Buttoned up. Forget it. It ain't happening. It has to be pro gold now. Yeah. So you mentioned tech stacks before. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's going to be part of it. And we talked about planning before. Well, that's part of it. And here we are, 2024. 
It's going to be tough. Everybody better get their act together. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's going to be your soundbite for yeah, 2024. That's right. Pop that one out. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay. What do you think is going to play the biggest role uh, in getting you more business in 2024? For me? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've spent time doing so many different things in the trenches over time um, that I never got my website done. I never, I never got it done to full potential. And, and having a very, very helpful lead magnet mm-hmm. and a very good website, because I really believe in websites and I don't care who doesn't. Um, <laughs> I believe in online real estate. I'm sorry. I know you do. I really do. I think there's a lot of, I think there's even assets. And in you've, been on my, you've been on my butt for yeah, years absolutely. about my website. And I, years. And, and, but anybody I've ever worked with, I've also bothered them and said, get your website done. It's not like you're wrong. It's not like you're wrong. I mean, have I managed to have a very successful business without the most optimum website? Possibly. Could you're have lucky. done better. Your reputation has preceded you, and that's a lot of word of mouth, and you've done very well. That's yeah. great. But to get to where I want to be, a proper, well-functioning, et cetera, et cetera, website is necessary. If you're going to start selling courses and products, you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... If you're going to have a brick and mortar place, then you have to have obviously a location and you have to have to have that space. If you don't have that and you're going to run a business, well, your other opportunity is to have your online HQ and that's going to be your URL, Mm -hmm. your website. People need to find you. And then on top of it, if you're really, really good with your content and with your SEO, which is still really, really important, people are going to be able to find you over your competition. Oh, SEO is going to be SEO is on my my like top list right now. Yeah, so I think it's it's going to be vitally important. So for me, my website, my lead magnet, getting the word out, mm-hmm. my SEO is going to be so lethal. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I feel sorry for anybody else that's going to be in my like area of business because they are going to drop down the list. <laughs> and you're rarely wrong. Well. I'm going to make sure it happens. That's good. What about you? Oh, my gosh. Um, Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So what's going to make a difference for me in 2024? One of them is my website. At the time that we're recording this, it's being revamped. It'll be done within the next, like, week, week and a bit. I'm excited. I can finally say I have a productively happy, well-functioning website. That is one of the biggest things. The other one is putting a lot of work and amplification into this podcast, getting it in front of more listeners. Uh, And everybody listening can have a part in that just by leaving a review, hint, hint. But that's just one of the things. The other thing is speaking. So I'm dedicated to doing more speaking. That's with online summits, being a podcast guest, and in person. So... In-person speaking, although I'm a bit of an introvert and prefer to do things from home, I'm ready and willing to do travel to the appropriate places to do the appropriate conferences. So that's happening. Uh, And the last thing is really a bit of a a mindset shift on uh, where my time should be spent on the most productive activities. So that's, you know, more time spent potentially on YouTube, on, uh, on creating content, more time on lives, but on the right platform, less time on platforms that don't make sense. And this is on top of taking care of your clients. 
Absolutely. They come first. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really blessed to be working with quite a few really good people. Obviously, I'm going to want to increase that in 2024. Uh, in 2023, it was about increasing the capacity that I could take on. So what did that look like? That was a lot of automation. That was a lot of uh, revamping systems. And like I said, it was improving the tech stack. So I did that. So I'm ready in 2024 to accept more traffic to those things. Like I can take on more students in my courses. I can take on more one-on-one -on -one clients for strategy and launches uh, and, and doing some really deep niched in strategic like marketing work uh, and things like that. So those opportunities are all set up and ready to go. It's now about making sure those people are taken care of that we are, you know, that I already have and being able to add more of the right potential clients. Very good. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Thank you. I put some time and effort into thinking about it. I'm really glad that we were able to have yet another awesome conversation. I'm actually really, really glad to start 2024 with a conversation with you. That's great. I'm glad to do it. But uh, I guess we'll see you in a few months. Or sooner. Or sooner. I love these conversations. And I, I have a feeling that these kind of bring up some of the questions that I think a lot of people are thinking about that are kind of just taking up a lot of real estate in their brains. Maybe they haven't completely thought about or gotten those things out of their brains and that's totally fine, but I think these are good conversations to have. So we'll definitely have another one. And if you like everything that you heard, please do go ahead and share this with other people. Let me know what you think and potentially leave a review. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, the Acquire podcast is produced and edited by Jason Wheeler. Oh, no. Yes, it is. You do such a good job. <laughs> And if you found today's episode valuable, please absolutely uh, let us know. And if you want to find, and I should say this, if you want to find Jason Wheeler and get in touch with him, you absolutely can. You can find him on social media as Jason Wheeler, and his last name is spelled W-I-E-H-L-E-R, and you can find him at jasonwheeler.com. Thanks so much for be being part of my community. I really appreciate you being here. And as always, the Acquire Podcast is brought to you by the Oddphonic Podcast Network.